Welcome in, everybody, to Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio, episode number 36. On this episode, Blake and Taylor will continue on with our official power rankings, number 12 to number 9, as we count down to our number one team in the National Football League and our big NFL preview show. Also, we will start our team coverage with Taylor's Minnesota Vikings and Blake's Philadelphia Eagles. Last, but certainly not least, UFC 202 and the big rematch between Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz. Remember to like us on our Facebook, facebook.com slash globaldynastystr, and subscribe to us either on iTunes or SoundCloud. Just search for us by searching Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio. It's that simple. Subscribe and follow us and never miss another episode ever again. Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio, episode number 36, begins right now. Global Dynasty, ain't it fantasy? The Sports Talk Radio show could turn galaxies, but in a good way. Cause my dude Blake and Nicky knows what's up, making no mistake. And they got what it takes to run this. Not only the job, but they truly love it. Join it for who? Only you, the fans. Welcome in, everybody, and welcome to Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio, episode number 36. And we're back, albeit for a little layoff due to a surgery that I had, but I am good to go. We tried to do it last week. Taylor was all busy and stuff with life and his wife and kids and weddings and this and that. And I was still dealing with pain, so I could not talk, but we are back. Hello, everybody. Your wonderful host, Blake Plotsky, hanging with you. How's it going? Nice to hear from you guys again. And as always, my co-host, Taylor Johnson. What's going on, Taylor? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm hanging in there, recovering. What is it? Three days from the wedding. When you get older, it takes a little more to recover. Voice is slowly starting to come back. I sounded like PJ Carlissimo earlier today. Sands the Latrell Sprewell choking, but I'm good to go now. Yeah, Taylor was uh, busy this weekend singing Journey songs and whatnot, apparently. There's nothing wrong with that. So I'm told, hey, I got nothing wrong with Steve Perry. Steve Perry, this let me say for the record, for anybody out there who does not know or does not know who Steve Perry is, which that's a, I feel like is a cardinal sin. How can you not know who he is? Exactly. Steve Perry is one of the greatest vocalists of any genre of all time. He has one of the most purest voices of all time, and I will take that to my grave. Anybody who disagrees with that, come at your boy. If you disagree with that, you're wrong. That's all I can say. 
Oh, see, I wanted to leave the door open for people to argue, but no, hey, Taylor's going to just shut it down right away. All right, everybody, welcome in. As I said before, episode 36. How's it going? Blake Plonsky and Taylor Johnson hanging with you. Real quick, our notes. Call in, Skype in, Global Dynasty STR. Call in, say your piece, and hang with us for a minute to be a host. Email in blakeglobaldynasty at gmail.com, taylorglobaldynasty at gmail.com. Email in, and we will read your email live on the air. Facebook, our Facebook, facebook.com slash globaldynastystr, our main hub for everything that we do with the show, all of our episodes, our announcements, all of your sporting news, all everything that you could want in the sporting world in one spot. Lastly, also our listening uh, providers. There we go. Listening providers, soundcloud.com slash globaldynastystr, or go to SoundCloud, search for us, Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio, or go to iTunes under the podcast section in the iTunes store, search again, Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio, subscribe to us, and never miss another show ever again. All right, bing, bang, boom, everything's done. Let's get right into it with our first topic this week. All right, now, we are going to do something a little bit different as we're getting right back into the swing of things. We're trying some different things out time-wise this week. So we are going to do no news segment, jump right into our league coverage with our power rankings, as we are going to change it up a little bit how we're doing things as we test the waters for something big that we got planned. But until we get to that big moment, we got to test a couple of things along the way. So bear with us and listen along, everybody. Let's get right into it. Our league coverage and our power rankings. Let's see, Taylor. We're on number 12, are we not? Uh, let me go through the memory bank. Ba -ba -ba -ba. Yes. Okay, number 12. We got the New York Giants. All right, Taylor, do you want me to go first or you to go first? You know, I'll go first, and I'm just going to touch briefly on the offense. Um, say what you want about Eli Manning. I don't really care. I mean, he's got two Super Bowl rings, fine. However, I just there's something about him that just irks me. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's his attitude after something goes wrong or what. I don't know. But I did hear something. I believe it was on ESPN radio somewhere um, driving home today that, you know, how most quarterbacks, I mean, he's been in the league 12 years. They don't want to do that preseason stuff. They don't want to do all that. Eli Manning said he gladly, he welcomes those four preseason games. He goes, listen, it's been nine months since I've taken a hit. I need to get back into it. So for him to say something like that, I gained a little more respect for him. But I mean, if you're Eli Manning, you're lining up and you look out and you got Odell Beckham to throw to. I mean, come on, just throw it up to him. I mean, Beckham Jr. is probably what top three, top five fantasy pick. It's got to be easily. And I mean, if you got somebody like that to throw to, how can you not be excited for upcoming seasons? Um, tight end situation: Larry Donnell, yeah, Ryan Malik out there. Will tie. A little work. Um, there is one other wide receiver I wanted to mention, and that is rookie Sterling Shepard. I've read a lot uh, in the past couple of weeks how he has emerged as po quite possibly a solid number two uh, opposite of Odell Beckham. 
Um, and from what I, I mean, he's gotten rave reviews in training camp. Obviously, when we get to the regular season, that's a different story. So uh, Sterling Shepard is definitely a guy I'm going to keep an eye on and definitely a sleeper I think I'm going to keep an eye on in fantasy. Um, but I also read, too, that the running back, they're not going to have this four running back by committee type garbage that they've seemed to always go to. Uh, it looks like it's going to be Rashad Jennings, I guess, would be uh, the one taking over that starter role uh, with Shane Vereen, Andre Williams back up. So their offense is there. Um, their defense is decent. Uh, this is definitely going to be another team. The Giants, That's I mean, they're going to – why they're up here so high is, you know, they're going to win that NFC East, that very average – Really not so good NF- NFC East that I do believe your Philadelphia Eagles are a part of. And Correct. Yeah. So, no, I mean, they're going to make the playoffs. They'll squeak in, probably get bounced in the first round. But um, just, I mean, the, God, that air attack that Eli Manning has, I mean, what quarterback wouldn't want something like that? So uh, definitely a, a, an offense heading in the right direction in my eyes. You know, and just to touch on the offense real quick, uh, with my opinion, obviously, Beckham, I I feel like, I mean, it's debatable whether he's the best receiver in the league. Obviously, he's a great target to have. Sterling Shepard, I feel like he can be sneaky good. I feel like people are sleeping on him even a little bit. I feel like he's not getting enough respect that he, I mean, again, he hasn't played a game yet. So respect as in to say, you know, versus other guys in his draft, if, if that makes any sense. Rashad Jennings, I feel like, is being underestimated a little bit, especially with him getting the reins now. I feel like he can be sneaky good this year, especially with people not really focusing on him too much. I feel like they're uh, 18th rank in the league, 18 out of 32 as far as rushing is concerned, that can be definitely bumped up a couple of notches with Jennings finally getting the full-on workload, so to speak. Jennings should be in the prime of his career at this point. It's do or die now, and I've always liked Jennings. I feel like he just hasn't gotten his fair shake. Eli Manning, lastly, I feel like Eli Manning, two-time two, two Super Bowl champion, excuse me, Eli Manning, two-time Super Bowl champion, doesn't get the respect he deserves. He doesn't miss games, number one. And number two, he's always a model of consistency, according to what I have in front of me. Eli Manning, is he the greatest quarterback in the world? No. Can he do a lot worse? Uh, Yeah. Again, Eli Manning throwing the ball, Sterling Shepard, Odell Beckham, Rashad Jennings, I don't know. What's not to like? I don't know what Ben McAdoo is going to do, but Ben McAdoo being the offensive coordinator before this year taking over as head coach, Eli Manning, everybody else has been in the offense under Ben McAdoo for about three years now because Ben McAdoo has been essentially calling the plays for three years. Everybody's comfortable in the system, easy transition, easy thing to make. All right. All right, moving on to the defense, I will start. Jason Pierre-Paul, not really sure. Let's see here. Jason Pierre-Paul, rushing stats. Oh, yikes. 
Okay, did not do that great uh, last year in the time that he was on the field. Only eight games last year, one sack, 26 tackles. Yikes. Okay, maybe that little firework incident did a little <laughs> bit more to him than uh, we were led to believe. I mean, he claims that he can still play. Uh, stats and uh, game avail- availability says otherwise. Okay, Olivier Vernon. I've always been a fan of him, but he's always had Cameron Wake on the other side, former Dolphin, now New York Giant, Olivier Vernon. I don't know, because with Pierre Paul not being that great right now, you can double-team him, and I don't know how well Olivier Vernon's going to be. They paid him all that money. Taylor, is this going to be a situation where he gets all the money and he kind of just falls off? I mean, like 90% of players do I was, when they get the money. I was just going to say, it seems like everybody that gets that big payday, uh, that that year after they sign, they just, it's a down year. And it happens time and time again. So I don't, it's tough to, I mean, obviously it's tough to say right now if he will, but don't color me surprised whatsoever if that happens. Because, I mean, it happens way too often. You see that everywhere. I mean, and you got their linebacking core uh, other than Jesper Bunkley, who is, I guess, average at best. Jesper Bunkley, JT Thomas, their linebacking core really lacks a lot to be desired. Nobody really with a name or even just an under the radar guy that really does halfway decent. Their linebacking core is not that great. Going back to the D-backs here. I mean, the only real... Dominique Rogers Camardi didn't even know he was still playing. Apparently, he's still hanging on. Landon Collins, Landon Collins, excuse me, has 112 tackles last year. Okay, that means that he's uh, because even because he's coming over the top and just making tackles. Apparently, so his scouting report coming out of college seems to be coming to fruition that he can't cover anybody worth just anything and. Let me say this a little bit lastly about the last D-back. Janoris Jenkins. Always been a fan of Janoris Jenkins. I feel like people have been selling him short. People are saying that Janoris Jenkins is just going to suddenly just be terrible this year. Why? He's always been a model of consistency. He's always been right there as far as coverage. Always been one of the better cover guys in the entire league. Why is just changing teams? Taylor, is this another one of the contract things? No, I don't. That Jenkins is just going to fall off. I don't, I, I, that one I don't see. Cause I like you, I've always been a fan of his as well. So maybe it's just my fandom or something leads me to believe that won't happen, but I don't think so. I will add one thing though on the defense. That's cornerback Eli Apple, rookie out of Ohio state. I think he might be getting some playing time towards the end of the year. I don't it's got that feeling. Something about those Buckeye players coming up from Urban Meyer. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see more and more of them as the year goes on. I was going to mention that. Uh, you know, again, what I'm looking at has Rogers Cromartie as the starter, granted. But if I were the defensive coordinator, the head coach, or whoever runs the team sheet, Janoris Jenkins and Eli Apple on the other side, that's a not a bad tandem to go with. That's what I'd do. I would actually, I would do that from day one if Eli Apple continues to, you know, improve and take strides toward the season. I mean, it's worth a shot, right? I would think so. I mean, you got a guy I mean, like again, Rogers Cromartie, too. I mean, 
I know just, that. Just see so, what Apple. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, just see what Apple can do. I mean, a rookie year, you see if he can sink or swim, and if he sinks, you got Rogers Cromarty. If he swims, well, then hopefully Rogers Cromarty takes him under his wing, and same with Jenkins too. Some veteran leadership, take him under his wing, and make him even better each week. So I, I, I mean, give him a shot. And you know, and I and I understand that you know Carson Wentz isn't going to play, and ho- hopefully he'll be redshirted this year. One can only hope. But he is—is is this another Wentz situation where they wait with him? I know that I know that he was a first-round pick. I know he's a high pick, and some people questioned where he was picked and taken. I mean, do they throw him to the wolves, or do they kind of? Uh, baby him along, so to speak, like like the Eagles are doing with Wentz. I wouldn't say throw him to the wolves, but I also wouldn't say kind of baby him. I, you got to find some that middle ground, whatever you want to call it. I don't know if you kind of ease him in, but at the same time, kind of throw a lot at him and see if he can handle it. And if he can't, kind of pull back the reins a little bit. If he can, run with it. That's what I say. All right, let's move on to the Houston Texans. I will start. Uh, let's see here. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, uh, got a little distracted there. A little bit of a car alarm uh, going off outside uh, very rapidly, so that had a little bit of a distraction. Sorry about that, folks. Got Brock Osweiler under quarterback. Brock Osweiler, Not a very good preseason debut, uh, very, very much either. Brock Osweiler, I, I don't know about him. I want to believe in the guy. You know, he got the big contract now. Now it's put up or shut up. Same with uh, Olivier Vernon, Janoris Jenkins, same deal. He's either going to sink or swim. But also, he's got one of my favorite receivers in the league. He's got DeAndre Hopkins at wide receiver. DeAndre Hopkins is a receiver where you just – Throw the ball up in his vicinity, and as long as the ball's not going out of bounds, DeAndre Hopkins will nab it. I mean, that's all Brock Osweiler really has to do. You got uh, Will Fuller, the first-round pick out of, uh, let's see here, uh, first-round pick out of Notre Dame, six feet, 186. I mean, and he's coming along a little bit. He's coming along a little bit slower than they would like. I don't think he's going to start off as the number two, even though that would probably be beneficial to them to have him as the number two. They only have Cecil Shorts and uh, Jalen Strong really as other options. So Fuller better get going because, again, other than that, you're going to have to, uh, let's see, triple team DeAndre, and that doesn't really bode well. You got Lamar Miller as a starting running back now. Lamar Miller, a guy who I've said countless times, I've always believed in. Lamar Miller, I feel like can do big things in this offense, especially under Bill O'Brien. Lamar Miller should flourish in this offense in a run-first attack that Bill O'Brien O'Brien likes to employ. Taylor, go ahead. I'm also not a fan of Brock Eyeswaller. I mean... He stepped in for Peyton Manning last year, correct? I believe that's right. Yep, Peyton yep. was hurt, and he played just as well as Peyton did, and that's not saying a lot last year. Uh, did did and, just, uh, j- just go ahead? Uh, so, sorry, j- just uh, real quick, just for last year. Also, Brock Osweiler replaced Peyton when he got hurt, but Brock Osweiler got benched 
because he wasn't True. playing up to yep. snuff and Peyton Manning took back over just yep. for the record. And that's just it. I mean, they had one hell of a defense in Denver. Pretty much anybody could have lined up on her center, play just good enough, and you're going to win the game. So, I mean, I guess Houston sees more in Osweiler than you or I do. I don't know. Um, but this is it. Put up or shut up. Prove everybody wrong, but I don't know if he will. I do like Lamar Miller coming over. I am a fan of his. I don't think he – I don't what am I trying to think of. I don't think he was – not treated right, but I don't think he was used correctly in Miami. Uh, Absolutely not. I agree 100%. They did not let him run like he should have, and I think he did not get a fair shake in Miami whatsoever. So I, He's got all the tools does. in the world absolutely to be – to be a 1,200-yard-a-year runner. I mean, I mean, I will take that to my grave. I love Lamar Miller. And I think he's a perfect fit for this Houston team. And I think, I mean, they found a running back. You know, Arian Foster was definitely declining, getting hurt, this and that. Um, but, in, I mean, in his prime, Foster was amazing. And I'm not saying Lamar Miller's going to be anything like that, but um, it's going to be a close second. Um, and then you got, you know, your receiving cores, like you mentioned, Hopkins, who is, once again, another top five, top ten fantasy pick. Um, but uh, other than that, it's a really very, very, very young uh, receiving core. Jalen Strong is a rookie. Will Fuller is a rookie. Uh, Cecil Shorts has been uh, in the league five years. They also got Braxton Miller, who is a just a crazy athlete. Uh, what he did at Ohio State was insane, starting at quarterback, moving to wide receiver. Um, I don't know if he's how much of the field he's going to play, but uh, he definitely provides another wrinkle in an offense uh, to do something. You know, he could do a lot of different things. So um, it, it's it, it's an exciting Texans offense, but it's that defense that has really held them together in the past few years. All right, well, uh, and on that note, let's move on to the defense. Take it away. I mean, who knows if J.J. Watt's going to start the season, but he's going to be playing early on in the season. Um, and that, I Just real quick, I think he will play okay. because, that, because that guy was playing with an injury throughout the season regardless. Yep. So I so if anybody's going if team doctors are saying we advise you not to play JJ Watt says eh, sorry guys I'm playing and his off season work ethic is crazy just absolutely, absolutely insane so I don't know if it's something in the water in Wisconsin because if it is I need to be drinking that water because wow <laughs> um, but no that defense starts and ends with JJ Watt his motor is always running um, you know and then you, you kind of look down you know. J- Jadavion Clowney, who I'm still waiting to see something from him. I don't. When he's it, on the exactly, field. and that's just it. And I don't. You got Brian Cushing, who feel I feel like he's been in Houston for ever. Um, Devin's still coming over. That's a good pickup. So this is still a really good defense. And with the offense coming up, I mean, man, I don't know. They went nine and seven last year. Tough to think they won't at least do that again if not uh do better improve on that this season and win the afc south in my eyes so um, but that defense is still strong uh they got some new faces and some new places but uh with still a stout defense and uh an exciting offense i think houston is definitely uh 
definitely on the right tracks. Just a little bit more of a dig on Clowney, just because I enjoy this, just because he's missed Mr. Uh, I'm going to dog it in college because I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to play with my full motor. Two out of the four linebackers as they run a 3-4. Two out of the four played all 16 games, and that was Will Marcellus and Brian Cushing. And Brendrick McKinney played 14 games. The low man who played 13 games won Jadavion Clowney. So maybe once he can get on the field, if that ever happens, big if... He can get, oh, let's see here. He played 13 games last year. He can get more than 40 tackles. The guy has been a bust his entire career, and I'm tired of this guy. I am sorry. I'm just, I'm tired of him. I'm tired of seeing him. I'm tired of watching him go, oh, I have the potential, uh, potential of what exactly? I, I, I I'm sorry. Say one more thing on Clowney, too. I think, what was this, his second to last year, South Carolina, when he had that really big hit against that guy in Michigan in the Outback Bowl or whatever the hell it was, and he made a big... And that that was replayed on sports for two two straight weeks. That right there, he made a name for himself, and that right there, he became overrated in my eyes. They talked him up so much. And he, like you said, dogged it his last year. Like, I've never seen anybody do it. And me, 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 this, this, this. No. I'm with you. I'm sick of him. I think Houston needs to move on from him. That's just how I feel. Lastly, part of the D-back core, Kareem Jackson and Jonathan Joseph is... Probably, other than obviously my being a faithful Eagles fan, my Eagles, obviously, even though they're not better than these guys. But Maybe um, one I day. Said that. Uh, Kareem, uh, Kareem Jackson and Jonathan Joseph are one of my favorite, yeah, I was going to say, one of my favorite CB tandems in the league. I've always liked those two. And Kareem Jackson, uh, for whatever reason, in my individual defensive player leagues, always ends up on my fantasy team. Allah, probably because I like the guy. But there you go. All right. Anything more on the Houston Texans? No, I got nothing more. I just, I mean, it's, I just like watching J.J. Watt play. That's all I can say. It's just crazy to watch. <laughs> I, I think anybody Good who's Lord. a football fan likes to see J.J. Watt play. And unless if you don't, then, well, you're Check not a football pulse. fan because the guy's a, the guy's, oh, the guy's a maniac. Yeah, either that or you're dead inside. One of the two. All right, moving on to the Seattle Seahawks, I will go first. Obviously, one of the top quarterbacks in the league, Russell Wilson, playing the guy can beat you with his arm, beat you with his legs. Completion percentage of of 68, excuse me, uh, 4,024 rushing yards, or passing yards, excuse me, holy, holy cow, rushing yards, excuse me. Uh, 34 passing TDs, only eight interceptions, which actually surprises me. This guy really knows how to command an offense. You got Doug Baldwin and let's see here. And Jermaine curse on the outside. Taylor, is it wrong of me to, and I'm going to open up a bag of worms and I'm probably going to hear it privately by some people out in the Washington area. 
Am I wrong in saying that I still don't believe in these wide receivers, even though Russell Wilson knows how to yes. get them the ball? I can, yeah. Okay, I eh. again, I don't they're know what flashy. it is. It's not that I and they're not going to always burn you. Th- maybe this, that's that, it. But okay, they that's produce. it. And with a quarterback right, like Ru- right, Russell Wilson, it. Russell Wilson can always find them. They they it, it's, I don't know. It's. I, I think it's just the non-flash factor. They just show up, get their job done, and Baldwin has the chance, you know, has the opportunity at times to burn you. But um, I, I'm a guy. I'm a big Doug Baldwin fan. I don't know why, but I am. Uh, not when okay. they were playing the Vikings in the playoffs last year, but that's a different story. Same with Russell Wilson. I'm a big fan of his. But no, I, I like this receiving core. Where Walsh oh. right left. Derailment of the show. Please continue. Oh, I lost my train of thought on that one. How dare you? <laughs> Yeehaw! Oh, I knew that was coming. All right, too. I'll con- I'll con- I'll continue on for you. You got Thomas Rolls at running back now. Taylor, here is an interesting thing. Thomas Rolls gets the gets the lone share of the carries. No Marshawn Lynch. Thomas Rolls. What is Thomas Rolls going to do this year? Because I have no idea. Uh, he played he played great coming in for Marshawn Lynch, but now he's the starter. What is he going to do? I have no clue. I don't no know clue. either. And it's his second year, that sophomore slump. Is he going to have it? Because he might being the starter, being the guy. And he was one of the greatest free agent pickups I had in any of my fantasy leagues last year. I'm so glad I was able to get him. Um, but he filled in amazingly well for Marshawn Lynch and... I don't know what to expect from him either. I want him to do very well again, but I don't – I just don't know if he will this year. I think he might take a step back this year, but I'm, I hope he proves me wrong. But I just – it's tough to say what you're going to get out of him because he was such an unknown last year, and now this year he is – I agree. You know, he's going to have a big target on his back. So that's that's why I think I, I, he might regress a little bit this year. What I was going to say was is that I I mean does he have it in him, you know, just you know, cuz there there are only so many of those backs in the league that everybody talks about. You, you know, is Thomas Rawls that guy cuz he just he doesn't seem like that to me. I agree that I feel like he might take a huge step back. And the Seahawks might be looking at somebody, you know, saying, uh-oh, uh, what do we do now? Because uh, weren't, weren't we a run-first offense? And with that patchwork offensive line that they had that couldn't protect Russell Wilson for anything last year, I, I just, I don't know. And lastly, you got Jimmy Graham. You got Let's see here. Jimmy Graham's stats in front of me, yeah. 605 yards, played 11 games, 48 receptions, Okay, Jim, a man of Jimmy Graham's size and talent, you need to get him the ball as often as possible. I know that you have these receivers. Again, as not flashy as they are, Curse and Baldwin, Jimmy Graham needs to be involved a lot more. 48 receptions, 605 yards is not going to cut it. I do not agree. I know that they got to... Uh, uh, conference uh, conference game, championship game, conference championship. It, it, Taylor, you agree with me, right? You you get what I'm getting at. Jimmy Graham needs to be 
more of what he was in New Orleans, you know, a, a 900 to a thousand plus yard guy. Or am I just, just a crazy Here's the man thing with Jimmy here? Graham. In New Orleans, he flourished in that offense. That pass first West Coast running, not running gun, um, just throw it, chuck the ball down the field. He flourished in that. The yes. Seahawks are not that team. They are a run first team, and I they know. ask Jimmy Graham to block, which he, while he can do, he is not good at it. He is not a run blocker. He is a playmaker, and he is not set up for this offense. So I don't know why Seattle brought him in, knowing that they probably weren't going to use him like he was used in New Orleans. It's That baffles me. And I don't think, I don't know if their offense is set up to get Jimmy Graham the ball as many times as he did in New Orleans. I just don't think they are. Or to play, or to play his to strengths. His that's just strengths. Sort of, unless, sort of speak. unless with Thomas Rawls, they turn their offense into less of a run first and more into a West Coast. I don't know. So I don't. It's, it'll be interesting, but I don't yeah, see I, that I happening get, either. I don't know. Right. I, I guess. I guess yeah. time will tell with that. You know. I, I again. I just. I just don't like seeing a guy like Jimmy Graham of his size and with the talent that he utilized. still has yep. at his age. He can still. He. I hate yep. seeing him go to waste. Yep. That, that's, that's my problem. Not saying he's completely gone to waste yet, but it's. You can kind of see it trending in that direction. Right, and the last thing I'll say is I know that Jimmy Graham says, oh, it's getting acclimated nah. to the offense. Oh, I was injured. Oh, I was that. That's covering your own team. You know, that's you saying not throwing your team under the bus. That's what that is. That All that is is lip service to the media and to people like us. That's what that is. I don't buy that for a second. Anyways. All right, let's move on to the defense here. You got Michael Bennett. You got... I'm not even attempting that first name. Wow. Uh, you got Ruben, you got Jordan Hill, and you got Cliff Averill. Their front seven has been really good these last couple of years, obviously, you know, and then obviously the back four with the whole Legion of Boom thing, which I'm just going to leave alone. Their defense didn't seem that flashy last year. It didn't seem to be clicking on all cylinders. And yet in front of me, they were number two overall number, f number one in pass uh, in run defense, excuse me. And number two in, in pass defense. So apparently what my eyes were telling me was apparently just a falsehood. And I was either just, uh, just completely out of my mind or otherwise. And I just wasn't seeing the force for the trees. You got, let's see here, you got Michael Morgan, you got Bobby Wagner, and you got K.J. Wright as linebackers. I do not know so much about Michael Morgan. Uh, he has no stats. So is Michael Morgan a rookie? Oh, I got a <clears throat> voice crack. Excuse me. No, he's not. Okay, I was huh. going to say, because apparently it says that he didn't play last year. According to what I have in front of me, I could, this could be something completely wrong, but uh, Bobby Wagner, 114 tackles. K.J. Wright, 116 tackles. Their linebacking core, other than Morgan here, who apparently just disappeared and didn't play a single game for not being a rookie, but that's uh, 
a story that I can't fathom. Apparently, you got Richard Sherman as as a, the corner, you got Earl Thomas as a safety, Cam Chancellor as the other safety, and a cross. Not Byron Maxwell, but Deshaun Sneed, a guy that I do not remember playing that much. Now, here is a question I'm going to throw out, and, and this is a air quotes hot take for some people. So you don't have Earl Thomas or Cam Chancellor back there. Let's say one of them due to injury or something. Without one of them on the other side, is Richard Sherman that great without that one guy over the top? Shots fired, what have you, but I'm going to throw the question out there because it's something I've always wondered, Taylor. Is Richard Sherman that great or when the injury happened, or no, it was the holdout of Chancellor, I believe it was, and Sherman got exposed for like those first five games? Am I just throwing caution into the wind or what what am, what am I doing here I can see that um, and I've heard that argument a lot uh, especially last year um, but with with Chancellor holding out it seemed like Sherman was not the same type of cornerback he was the year before he also didn't seem as cocky without you know without Chancellor back there and yeah, Seattle had to get it done to get Chancellor back as soon as they could. So I, I've heard that argument, and it's tough to really dispute that. So I would have to go with, you know, I'm I'm not taking anything away from Richard Sherman either. I think he's a talented, uh, talented cornerback. But with a guy like Chancellor playing over the top, I think that makes Sherman even more valuable to the team, even more of a prized possession if you will so yeah I can't argue that at all and I'll say one more thing about this defense it I don't know if they had a hangover from the Super Bowl from the year before or what but it just didn't to me seem like the same legion of boom type defense that we were used to seeing in years past so I don't there was something oh, yeah. off and I don't know what it is but there was this year's this year's gonna yep, be the exactly. tell all. That's for I still sure. think they're a solid defense, um, but uh, there was something off about that group last year, and if they don't have it fixed this year, then I don't know. I, I think I don't know. It's tough to say with this defense what they're gonna do. They're kind of on a kind of on a tipping point. They could go either way. They could go back to how they were a couple years ago, or uh, they start that decline again. And I will say one last thing here, too, is that one thing about the tipping point is so they don't go the other way. And so they go back to the uh, to the their Super Bowl era ways, so to speak, is that as long as everybody doesn't get full of themselves. And this is the problem that I have with the Legion of Boom thing. It's not the celebrating and the OK, it's partly that I I like guys that fly under the, I, I am a by the book, fly under the radar type of fan, at least for my teams. I'm not a Seattle guy. I'm a Philadelphia guy. I, I just, I don't like it, so to speak, a little bit here and there, but there is such a thing as over the top. My point is, is that if you curtail that, 
as it seemed like Richard Sherman has done a little bit. If you curtail that somewhat, then maybe they can get it together. Because when you get egos like that, eventually, you know, everybody thinks that they're great. Everybody this, everybody that. You can't pay everybody. Everybody wants their money. Everybody wants more. Everybody wants more of the pie. Eventually, it breaks apart. You know, you, you win the Super Bowl, you have this run, and you think you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. It breaks apart because you can't pay everybody. This is not baseball. There is a salary cap. You, you get you get where I'm no, coming from here? No, I hear you. Yep. All right, and that's all I wanted to say. Lastly, in our power rankings... Taylor's beloved Minnesota Vikings. Now, this is probably a cardinal sin, but even living in the state of Minnesota my entire life, I do not pay attention to this team, so I cannot do it. It's the service that it deserves at the number nine spot in our rankings. So this one is all Taylor, as I'm going to step out for a minute. Taylor, this is all you, Here's my brother. Here's the thing with number nine ranking. It should have been higher. I... Oh, here we go. I just went with it. I was sick of arguing. Probably should have been a top five, top three team. It's all my fault, everybody. I just want that out there. And I'm just going to jump in with these little quips here and there. I say I'm going to walk away, but I'm going to have my no. headset. I'm going to have my headset on the whole Please. time. Let's. Let's start with this <laughs> offense, shall we? Teddy Bridgewater. People say he can't throw the ball down the field. He's not a good quarterback. <sighs> this year, I think he proves people wrong, and he showed it in that first preseason game with that 49-yard touchdown to Charles Johnson. The big question mark is, can this offensive line protect him? Matt Khalil had a horrible year last year. He needs to return to his rookie ways and he needs to protect Teddy's blind side. Otherwise, it's going to be another long, painful year for Bridgewater. Um, they did get Alex Boone, left guard from the Niners, and this guy is a beast, and I think he's really going to help up help this offense, uh, offensive line, because they absolutely need it. They need... As objective as, objective as I can be, I will admit Alex Boone That's... is a great get. That should help. If even on one side of the offensive line, that's going to help tremendously shore up the other parts of the problems uh, that they had. No, that's so, sorry. Right. That's I just fine. I just wanted to throw that John, out there. Go ahead, because 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 if not, then they're going to be playing with Sean oh, Hill back there, and I don't think that they want Joel that. Savvy. See, you can hear the tone in Taylor's voice. He don't <laughs> want that either. All right, Taylor, this go team ahead. Has Sean Hill starting the season. It's going to be a long season. Um. John Sullivan at center, Brandon Fusco right guard, Andre Smith right tackle. It's a solid offensive line that should improve from last year, mainly because they have to. And Mike Zimmer has made that a point of emphasis. You need to either protect Teddy Bridgewater or you're not playing. It's as simple as that. Um, of course, the man running behind Teddy Bridgewater, Adrian Peterson, just a beast. How he's still producing at this age, I don't know, but he shows zero signs of slowing down. He doesn't need an offensive line to run behind. He can just create his own holes. Um, his wide receiving core, though, question mark. Stefan Diggs, what he did last year, amazing. Pretty much the only receiving playmaker they had. Uh, he'll be the number one. Charles Johnson, if he can re 
return to his form from two years ago. Um, that's going to be solid. And like I said, that game against Cincinnati when he scored that 49-yard touchdown, it's a good sign. It's a very good sign. Um, Treadwell, going through some growing pains right now as any rookie will. Uh, still learning the offense, still learning the NFL ways. And Cordero Patterson, I think I'm starting to give up absolutely all hope because I, I, the guy just doesn't, doesn't know how to run around. I want him, you know, I mean, I was, I had his back for, I don't know, a couple of years. And last year I kind of gave up on him. This year I expected some big things and he's disappointing once again. So I just stick to returning, I Here, guess. I don't just, know. He even, he did that against Green Bay and got stripped by Mason Crosby. So that should tell you everything you need to know right there. And here is one thing that I will say. I'm, I'm going to make my Patterson point. I have a question right. and then a statement. Okay, now, Patter- now Patterson. At this point, it, normally it takes, say, a running back or a wide receiver two, three years to really get their feet planted on the ground, and you're either good or you're not. So at this point, Patterson, people who give up on him now, I don't blame him. Because if he doesn't have it now, he's never going to. The guy at this point in his career, he was a first-round pick. The guy still doesn't know how to run a route. Why is he – again, the return specialist thing, I get it. You need that. But I I just don't understand. Okay, no, it's the return specialist thing. But even that. that. Okay, go on. No, all right, question. This receiving core, as you brought up, do they, with Treadwell and, you know, barring what he can do because nobody knows, and Diggs, I've had this argument with my brother a million times. My brother believes in him. I do not. I don't feel like a fifth-round pick, especially a wide receiver, is really going to be your number two. I don't agree with that. I could be proven way wrong, and if I am, I'll come on here and I'll say it. Now, question. Digs aside, you have Treadwell. He's going to be the number one guy, obviously, eventually, if not right away. Is this offense missing another wide receiver as a weapon? That's the question. It is, but. I was going to say, because I don't feel like Charles Johnson's the answer. He can be. He has potential. Let's just say that. I'm not saying he is either. But I will right, give you one right. more tight end, Kyle Rudolph. I will say that there's, if him and Teddy can get that chemistry back going, I mean they showed uh, glances of it last year when them two were hooking up. They were playing their that motor was running. They were playing very well. So if they can get Rudolph kind of going, I think that provides that extra weapon, especially down in the red zone for him. I will admit this, and the Vikings footage that I do see and with our our coverage because we do individual teams we'll do Vikings and Eagles this year I I will be forced to watch the games because I have to for you guys the fans now is Kyle Rudolph involved in the offense enough because I don't think he is as un as objective as I can be about this team I don't feel like Rudolph is involved enough. I agree. I don't think so either. Okay, all right. I was going to say. I I agree with you on that one. All right. And for my statement, for a little bit of a joke, 
AP really doesn't AP really doesn't need to or sorry, I don't he doesn't number one, he doesn't deserve that nickname. I'm gonna call him Peterson. Because I use that nickname for somebody else in life. Okay, Peterson. Excuse me. I'm, I'm going to go to hell now for using that nickname. Anyways, Peterson. He doesn't need to be good at running the ball. All he needs to do is carry a stick around in oh. front of him and kind of wave it in front of him in one hand with the ball in the other. And just as he's running through the offensive line, just kind of wave the stick in between the linemen and kind of just go, eh, bat, bat people away. Like, get out of my way. Ah, I'm and swat you with it with my little uh, switch stick thing here. Sorry, just had to get that little just little nudge, little screw. That sounds in like there. jealousy because you don't have a back that's even half as good as him. Anyways, on this Vikings defense, <laughs> that was pretty good. This Vikings defense is probably, I think, one of the better ones in the league, and I'm not just saying that because I am a Vikings fan. What Mike Zimmer has done with this, not only this team but this defense. In just a few short years that he's been head coach has been nothing short of remarkable. Uh, it's I, I don't know if they just buy into him or what, which they should, but there's just something that they got. They got the defense right, and you've seen with these championship teams, and I'm not saying that the Vikings are going to be one, but I'm just saying with these championship teams, they have won it with defense, and this is one of the best ones in the league. Linval Joseph at nose tackle, is probably one of the best one of the best down defense alignment in the league and I'll argue anybody with that one. Uh the linebacking core of Barr, Kendricks and Greenway. Greenway who's up there in age but he want to come back for one more year cuz he knows there's something special going on in Minnesota, new stadium, uh, exciting team. Brian Robinson is another guy that's been with this team forever. Uh Shreve Floyd also playing right next to Joseph. Floyd and Joseph are just a great tandem right in the middle to clog up any holes that the offense is trying to run through. It's it's just some big guys. Um, you know, their secondary has always plagued this team for whatever reason, but I think they're starting to get it right. Xavier Rhodes is one, becoming one of the better cornerbacks in the league. Um, you know, you got Terrence Newman on the other side, but I don't know if he's going to start this year because he is getting up there in age and I've not. He's yeah. 38. If memory serves Let me check real quick, because maybe 45, I, say, I don't know. Especially for a, especially yeah. for a D back. That he's been is, in the league for 14 is, years. For yep. your legs, man, that, that, that is a lot, a lot of mileage. Years and so far just it has been doing it. So you got Trey Wayne's who you're hoping, um, you're hoping he can play the second year say, player. Yeah, he didn't the... do too well in camp last year. Struggled when he came on the field. He's doing all right this year, um, but I think he might have to get thrust into that uh, starting cornerback role because, I mean, you, you got to take that over somebody that just can't keep up with these receivers anymore. Um, and then, of course, you got the hitman Harrison Smith at free safety, who is. Probably one of the better safeties in the league as well. So, and it, when you get hit by him, you know you gotten hit hard because oh my god, he can he can really lay the wood. So, one of the better defenses in this league, hands down, I would say top five, top eight defenses in the league. Zimmer's got this team going in the right direction. New stadium, like I said, defending NFC North champions. 
possibilities are endless this year. I'm not saying where how far they're going, but yeah, there's a reason that he wanted them top five. But, Should be top. But apparently, three, he but... doesn't know how far they're going. Yeah, again, uh, but but apparently well, I got he doesn't know how far, far they're they going. Go. I just I just want I that in there. Can go. All right, expect a deep all right, playoff. But in all, in, <laughs> all right, joking <laughs> aside, in all seriousness, I've got two questions for you. You said Chad Greenway wanted to come back for another year. I totally understand that. Does Chad Greenway start? Because according to the team sheet I have in front of me, they have Emmanuel Lemur. And now former Bengal guy, you know, with Nikki and us doing Bengal coverage every week, I talked about Lemur a lot. I like the guy. The guy plays, you know, decent to good football. Why is Chad Greenway really going to start over I think Lemur probably will start. Uh, Greenway, yeah. Okay, I was going to say, I, I just like Chad so. Greenway a lot. Just, oh, no, I, I understand. I just, and I, I did forget I, about Lemur. I, I knew I was forgetting me. somebody. So I kind of stumbled there. I'm like, there's somebody I'm forgetting. No. And then the the other question is with with Wayne's. Um, you know, you got Terrence Newman, who's old as dirt. Got Grandpa with a walker out there playing D back. Uh, will Wayne's start on that side, or is he just still not it's, ready? Right now, what it's... is being a first-round pick, a high first-round pick at that, what is Wayne's deal? I don't know if he just struggled with the NFL game last year. and I th- He seems, from what I've seen and what I've read, he has improved this year, but I don't know if he's improved enough for Mike Zimmer to trust in him. But I don't, I, I just don't, I don't see Newman starting. You got Jabari Price there. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander um, has also you know, shown some flashes of greatness through spring. Um, they also, yeah. 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 You also got captain Munderland who's also getting up there in age as well. So, um, it's yeah. Who's going to start on the other side of Rhodes is going to be interesting, but they need to find somebody because Rhodes can't do it all himself. He, He tried last year and just couldn't, I mean, played well, but it's tough when you don't have another decent cornerback on the other side. All right, you got anything else? This team's going to be fun to watch. That's all I can say. And when they play the Eagles, man, it's going to be a beatdown. That's going to be fun to watch, yeah, too. Yeah, 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 we'll see about that. <laughs> all right, all right, we're going to move into our team co- team coverage here. And since we're going with the Vikings, we'll just transition right into our Vikings talk here, talking uh, first preseason game. Again, Taylor, I told you in our private conversations, I said that's all you because I did not see a lick of the game. So it's all you, my friend. Well, I'll go keep ahead. it short and sweet. I mean, Starting off, it did not go well. They were getting outgained in yards. The defense was not playing well. The offense was sputtering. However, I think once they got their feet under them, they played well. And, you know, to all the Teddy Bridgewater haters out there, oh, he can't throw the ball down the field. He's got a noodle arm, whatever. 49-yard touchdown to do, Charles do, Johnson. Do do people legitimately there's, hate I don't know Bridgewater, if it's just these people or... in Wisconsin or what, but there's a lot of people who... Okay, fair. Yeah. Well, well, that I mean, obviously, Green Bay territory. There, there's, I've heard a lot of talk of he's not a good quarterback. He his arm strength is weak, but I don't know. He proved a lot of people wrong, and that wasn't a 
short reception to Johnson, and then Johnson runs for 40 yards. That was legit 50, 55 yards in the air to Johnson for a touchdown. So uh, the defense stepped up. They're playing well. It's tough to gauge somebody, you know, a team after the first preseason game, but it was encouraging to see how well they finally came out uh, and held on for a win. So I'll just leave it at that. All right. Well, I'm going to keep it short and sweet as well, but I got a little bit more to say than that. All right. Transitioning to Eagles here. All right. First preseason game, Sam Bradford threw one pass for three yards, came out. Literally, it happened on the first kickoff. Special teams knocks the ball loose. Uh, Our special teams specialist slash backup safety, Chris Maragos, jumped on the ball. Easy, great field position. Sam Bradford, three yards for one pass. Ryan Matthews runs the ball in. Easy score, seven points. Starters go out after that first series. Nothing really to say about that. Chase Daniel comes in. Chase Daniel, backup, second string offensive line. The first thing, second string offensive line cannot protect Chase Daniel. Second thing, Chase Daniel cannot hit the broad side of a barn. Does this tell everything that Chase Daniel can do? I believe not. But still, he, 4 of 10, 15 yards, is not going to cut it if and when, not if, but when Sam Bradford goes down, Chase Daniel will be playing. This is not good news. But hopefully, Chase Daniel will have a fully slated five-man starting offensive line to work behind, hopefully barring just the unforeseen. Chase Daniel, not that effective, but even more than that, our wide receivers create no separation. Jordan Matthews, Nelson Aguilar, Josh Huff had one big play. Other than that, no, no real of anything. They can't create separation just to, I just, ooh, they just, they can't do it. The tight ends get a couple of passes. Zach Ertz shows the potential that he's always had, but has never gotten the opportunity because he's been playing behind Brent Selleck his entire career. Zach Ertz should be unleashed this year. I just, I cannot wait. Zach Ertz is a force to be reckoned with. I can't wait. Okay. I'm going to calm down a second here. I get passionate about my Eagles. Nelson Aguilar may just very well be pushed back down the depth chart. And why is that? Number one, he couldn't get any separation. It's one preseason game. Who cares? But the Eagles did trade for, today, this morning, did trade for Darrell Green oh. Beckham. Now, we I did, you not. did not hear about this? Yes, we traded for Darrell Green Beckham from the Titans for backup guard, one Dennis Kelly. Now we got him for peanuts and a lot of the Eagles faithful do not agree with me to say that they gave him away for peanuts. Look out for that. But I cannot go into the season and say that the Eagles did not trade for him. I could look at it as that Howie Roseman conned somebody enough to take Dennis Kelly for a receiver that has a ton of potential Green Beckham has the height and he has all the in the world. All it takes is a little bit of a kick in the ass and a little bit of work ethic that Green Beckham has kind of, you know, not really shown. But I have to believe that the coaching staff can get something out of him. 
depending on what he shows in the preseason, I may want Nelson Aguilar moved back and not necessarily forgotten about, but put Green Beckham on the other side of Matthews on the opposite side. Time will tell. Going to the defense, just a couple of notes here. Starting defense played really well. Fletcher Cox, like we talked about when he got his contract. Fletcher Cox, you know, is he going to sink or swim with the record defensive contract that he got? He swam. He got a couple of tackles, got one sack, and got a forced fumble that Fletcher Cox is always known for. He got defensive tackles who just don't really know how to do anything. They don't really, they're not necessarily a disruptor. They're not a nuisance. Like even Nagdamakong Su, I don't really believe in too much because he doesn't really put numbers on the stat sheet. Fletcher Cox does. He got a forced fumble, jumped right on it. Not Fletcher Cox, but another player, obviously. A couple of players got sacks. A couple of rookies here. Blake Countess. Blake Countess really needs to learn where he is on the field. What do I mean by that? Not once, but twice on kickoffs. Blake Countess runs out of bounds, obviously going out of bounds involuntarily without getting shoved out. He goes out of bounds voluntarily, and he gets a flag for it. Blake Countess needs to learn where he is on the field. It's a simple thing that sixth graders learn how to do. Blake Countess may not make this team. People say that Chris Maragos shouldn't be on the team. Chris Maragos was all over the place. Tackles, interceptions, and the special teams work that he's always done. He's a backup safety with questionable coverage skills. But you have to have that special teams guy, that spirited guy who's always in there. I'd have Blake Countess off the team a million times before Chris Maragos. And I'll take that to the bank. Lastly, seventh round pick linebacker Joe Walker. The guy has a nose for the ball. Over a couple other linebackers, I'd say Najee Good and Joe Walker have a leg up on some other of the backups, especially for them being around the ball all night that they were. Joe Walker, especially on the defensive snaps that he was, yes, against backups, lo and behold, whatever. Najee Good did some great work on special teams, great defensive work. Lastly, Jim Schwartz. And I have my friends are saying, oh, Schwartz, he's going he's to do all these great things because I've said that. No, I did not. Rome was not built in a day. But Jim Schwartz shows that his influence is already being felt, heard, and utilized. Carson Wentz, I feel like I'm rambling on and I apologize. I'm trying to spit this out as much as possible. I said I didn't have much to say. Apparently, I do. Carson Wentz. The stat sheet doesn't tell the whole story. The eyes do. Had a couple of balls that sailed on him. Yes, that's going to happy happen. Excuse me. A rookie. First game action. Of course. Balls are going to sail. He's going to do a couple of things wrong. Sure. The line breaks down. Playing, again, playing with second string, third string linemen. With the, lot, with the defensive lineman raining down on him, he escapes with his legs, rolls out to the side. No receivers are open. Throws the ball away. Has the awareness to do that. Not going to take the sack. Not going to make the stupid play. Throws the ball away. When he's in the pocket, pocket collapses on him again. Defensive line running at him. A wide receiver is open. He sits in there. He looks it down. He lasers the ball in. He takes the hit. 
He sits there and he takes the pounding to get the receiver the ball. Carson Wentz showed great strides, albeit the first game. He's got a lot to learn. He cannot start until he can command the offense, command the playbook, and throw the ball unconsciously. He's not there yet. He's not even close to being there yet. But he showed great strides despite what some may say, I do not care. I saw great things from Carson Wentz and Eagles fans have a right to be excited for his future. It's going to be a long, fun road. God, I am out of breath. I think Taylor might have died. I'm not entirely sure. Okay, he's still here. He might have died. I'm not entirely sure. So much for not having much to say. I... I literally, ha- I'm just going off of my player notes. I literally had player names, and I was just running with that. All right, everybody, we got one more final segment for you. The upcoming card this Saturday, the big rematch of Nate Diaz versus Conor McGregor, UFC 202. All right, everybody, being the UFC fan that I am... I will run it down, give you guys the breakdown. Taylor and I will do our picks. Let's start off with the main card. You got Tim Means versus Saba Hamasi. Tim Means, 25, 7 and 1. Saba, 11 and 15. Tim Means, 47% takedown accuracy, 63% takedown defense. Hamasi has a 73% KO rate. I'm going to go with Tim Means. He's got the experience. I don't really know about much about Hamasi. I couldn't get too much on him. So I'm going to go with Tim Means. He's got the takedown defense. He's got decent takedown accuracy, too, and he's got the experience. Taylor? I will agree with you only because his nickname is the Dirty Bird, and I think that's kind of cool. All right. All right, now, if I pronounce this next man's name wrong, I apologize. I'm going with what the UFC gave me. Now, if if I say it wrong, I apologize because I know Yao, or sorry, Ming Yao, excuse me, said that everybody his entire career in the NBA said his name wrong. The first name is never the name you say first. It always goes last name, first name. So it was always Ming Yao, People called him Yao Ming, and he was always just too shy to correct them, so he said. So I will try and pronounce this man's name, and for anybody of Korean descent, if I offend you, that is not my intention. I sincerely apologize if I pronounce his name wrong. Hun Jiao Lim, 13, 5-1, 77% KO rate. 100% takedown accuracy, which surprised me, and a black belt in Taekwondo. I couldn't find much info on Tim Perry, on Mike Perry, excuse me. Mike Perry is brand new to the UFC, first fight in the UFC, 6-0. and I feel like Hung Jiao Lim is going to take this one, especially with great knockout power that he has, again, 77%, and with an impeccable takedown accuracy i feel like limb may take this one rather easily yeah i'll go with limb on this one too with the experience alone uh, i'd like to go with mike perry keep the undefeated streak going i'll go with limb now 
before I move on, also being Lim, being a Taekwondo black belt, being that I trained in Taekwondo myself, I always have respect for people who train in my craft. So I appreciate that Hung Jiao Lim. Up next, Rick Story versus Donald Cerrone. Rick Story, 19 and 8, 50% takedown accuracy, 64% takedown defense. Donald Cerrone has been around the block and then some. I remember I discovered Donald Cerrone, if it was 2017, I would have discovered him 10 years ago when, when the brand Tap Out actually had their own television show on what is now the defunct Versus Network. Man, that's going back a ways. Donald Cerrone, back when he was fighting for peanuts and Tap Out discovered him, I discovered him along the way, just like they did, 30 and 7. Donald Cerrone, as I said, been around the block. 33% takedown accuracy, 70% takedown defense. Donald Cerrone, great on the ground, as is Rick Story. Both of them great wrestlers. Donald Cerrone, a black belt in Gyo Do Jitsu, which is a martial art that famed MMA trainer Greg Jackson actually invented so there's that donald cerrone has trained with greg jackson for years so it does not surprise that he would have a black belt in greg jackson's own form of uh jujitsu so to speak martial art whatever you want to call it he also has a purple belt in brazilian jujitsu i'm gonna go with donald cerrone donald cerrone is the UFC's Iron Man. Why do I say that? Ever since 2013, Donald Cerrone has fought four times every single year. Donald Cerrone is what people call the busiest MMA fighter on the planet because he takes any fight and he just gets it done. Now, he's a little bit rough around the edges so to speak and i mean he i i don't dislike the guy but i don't necessarily like him either i used to until i kind of knew more about him but that's his personal preference that's nothing directly against him rick story hasn't necessarily fought in a long time he's still only 34 but he had a long layoff and i just i'm gonna go with Cerrone. Cerrone. You know, both of them on the ground, rest, great wrestlers in their own right, going to cancel each other out. I feel like Donald Cerrone's master of different ground forms of martial arts will serve him well. Donald Cerrone wins. Yeah, I'll agree with you. I'll also go with uh, with Cerrone in this one as well. Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Forgot to mention that. All right. The semi-main event, Anthony Rumble Johnson versus Glover. Texera, Anthony Rumble Johnson, 21, 21 and five, the number one light heavyweight in the UFC should be the number one contender for the belt. 71% KO rating, a great wrestler in his own right, and a 79% takedown defense. Glover Teixeira, the light heavyweight number two ranking, number one versus number two, 25 and four. 64% KO rate, a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. This is interesting. You have a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu versus a great wrestler. I, I'm going to have to go with Rumble. I, I like Rumble, that the fact that he's great on the feet, 
great on the ground, 71% KO rating, 79% takedown defense, and a great wrestler. I got to go with Anthony Rumble Johnson. So the guy he's fighting, is, is his first name Glover or Glover? Because if it... Uh, I, I've oh, okay. always said Because if it was Glover, Glover that'd be really cool. But I'm still not going to go for him. I'm going for uh, my relative here, Anthony Johnson. We get same last name. We got to be related. Uh, you know that Anthony Johnson is an African American gentleman, right? Uh, okay. <laughs> all right, all right. They're they're related uh, somehow. Okay. I mean, how all many right. John? How many, hey, hey, how many Johnsons can there be? There can't be that many. <laughs> uh, well, I'd, I'll agree to disagree with you there. But hey, we're all human beings here, so technically we're all family, right? All right, going on to the main event of the evening, the big rematch that everybody's been waiting for. One, Nate Diaz, 20 and 10, 60% submission rating, a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu versus the feared one or something. Conor McGregor, 19 and 3, 89% KO rating, a brown belt in his own right in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Funny that. He's a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, everybody, but he's always made a fool of, looked on the ground. Chad Mendez, a guy that Frankie Edgar toyed with to earn his title shot against Jose Aldo in a couple of pay-per-views ago. Toyed with Chad Mendes, knocked him out in the first round. Chad Mendes gets Conor McGregor on the ground, and Conor's made to look like a fool. I don't know how that works. Is that just like, uh, uh, what? what's the term, uh, degrees of separation or something like that? I, I don't get it. Conor has spent $300,000 on training camps this time. And because of that, that's going to fix all Connor's problems on the ground. Ooh, I'm scared. You spent all this money. People realize that Nate Diaz had a, a full training camp now, right? Nate Diaz came off of the couch with 11 days notice. Nate Diaz has had a full camp just like Connor does. You think Nate Diaz is taking this lightly? I want Conor McGregor to lose, and I just and I have never wanted something more in my life. People say Conor brings in more fans. What do I care about that? I'm an MMA purist. What do I care? You either like fighting or you don't. I do not like people that watch for Connor. And I'm not saying that I dislike them as people. I'm saying that, okay, so you watch for Connor, but you don't appreciate everything else. I, I, I just, I, I guess I, I don't understand that. I can't comprehend it because I've watched the sport ever since I was 13. I, I can't fathom that. It doesn't compute with me. Does not compute. I am a robot. That whole thing. This, but the point is, my joking aside, or serious points aside, joking and serious points aside, all this, in a couple of months, 
cannot fix the holes that Conor McGregor has. The guy's great on the feet. I'll give him that. This isn't a Conor bashing. I know what Conor McGregor's good at. I know what Nate Diaz is good at. You do realize in the last fight that Nate Diaz toyed with Conor in the first round. That's what the Diaz brothers do. People say that Diaz looked like he got his face caved in because he was all bloody. The Diaz brothers have so much scar tissue on their face that you tap them. You tap them on the face and they open up. That's what scar tissue is. See, people don't think about these things. People don't go this in depth. People don't care, but it matters. Connor didn't hurt Diaz. He never hurt him once. And they're fighting once again at 170. Connor is a natural 145. Connor could not hurt Diaz. He threw everything that he had at Diaz, and Diaz kept stalking forward. In the first round, Diaz toyed with him because that's what players do. They toy with their opponent, not they toy with them to get in their head, but they do it also to feel their opponent out, to see what their opponent's going to do. And then they go to work in the second and third round if it goes that long. No matter what Connor did, unless if Diaz takes a dive, which he's not going to do because it's not in Diaz's makeup. I'm going to say Nate Diaz wins. And I'm going to hope that Conor McGregor goes back to 145 and defends the belt that he's had for almost a year. God, I hope. Because what's combat sports and championships if you're not going to defend them? I have this title, but let's give an interim title fight to Jose Aldo and Frankie Edgar. Now, now Connor has to fight Jose Aldo because they have to unify the belts. What's the point? Either Connor loses and he goes back to 145 with his tail between his legs. He's humbled and he fights Jose Aldo to unify the belts or he vacates the belt and he goes away. There is no other option. Again, I am talking as a purist. I'm going off the handle here, and I apologize. Nate Diaz wins. As much as I like McGregor when he talks, I think he's been talking a little too much. And, like, dissing all the WWE guys, I don't. You think he would, you know, focus on his fight a little bit more. So as much as I like Connor talking, I just think his talking is going to backfire again. I'll go with Diaz. And I just want to make it clear that people like you, Taylor, I was not talking about you when I was talking about fans who watch Connor. I just want to make that clear. Oh, no, clear. I, I understand. I just like when he talks I'm talking the about yeah. a completely other yeah. sect of people who I just will not get into. But the last thing I will say before we get out of here, and this is a perfect thing to end it on, I am going to end it with a Nate Diaz quote, and that is this. You're not going to win against me, Connor, by playing touch butt in the park with your little training buddies. And that is a good enough quote as any to end this show on not going to win 
against me playing touch butt with your in the park with your training buddies. I'm paraphrasing because I do not remember the exact quote. I just remember touch butt in the park and uh, his training partners. With that, Taylor, before we get out of here, any parting words? No, none whatsoever. I mean, it's uh, this is a pretty great time of the year, getting uh, preseason football kicking off and everything. So, I am so oh my happy God. for football again. You have fantasy no football, idea. everything. It's just it's a great time of the year. Football time is so much fun. And then February comes yep. around all too fast. And then two weeks after the Super Bowl, we go, I want exactly. football again. So enjoy it while it lasts because it'll be gone and over within a heartbeat. Football, that's exactly what happens. Fantasy football always makes it go by so fast. And the weeks go by so fast. And I know how brutal football is, and this is not even possible because I don't think even the most in shape and athletic human being could even tolerate this. What if football was like a soccer season from August until May? So many injuries. I would love it. I would love it. No, exactly. It could never happen. It could never happen. But I'm just saying, you know, just what if, you know, kind of thing. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. All right, everybody. Well, as I said, that was all we got. This has been episode 36. We hope you join us for our next episode next week for episode 37. For Taylor Johnson, I'm Blake Plonsky. We are back. We are out. Peace. I own everything that comes in my way. I'm strapped for time Gotta keep my wit from slipping sideways That's how life goes Upon the open road Give me the keys, I'm back in my seat Turn up the heat, get the bump in the beat Picking up speed when I don't see police Keeping the screen cause they be on the creep Street to street, we pass it by Moving along in overdrive Spitting freestyles to pass the time Losing my mind, the longer the ride Can't put to the side to give it the rest No clothes on my eyes, gotta give it my best Stay in the lines and try not to wreck Straining my neck on this difficult track I gotta stay focused though Fly, never been coasting slow Grind, steady on overload Find us up on that dope road Driving all alone up on the highway Open opportunity don't pass me by Try to stay awake up in the right lane Those ain't trying to keep it open I own everything that comes in my way Pedal to the metal cause I'm strapped for time Gotta keep my wit from slipping sideways That's how life goes